0: Hello and welcome to this OWL Explains Hootenanny, our podcast series where you can wise up on Blockchain and Web3 as we talk to the people seeking to build a better internet. OWL Explains is powered by Avalabs, a blockchain software company and participant in the Avalanche ecosystem. My name is Silvia Sanchez, project manager of OWL Explains, and with that, I'll hand it over to today's amazing speakers. So Hello and welcome to all our Wise Owl listeners. I'm Emma Pike, I'm a member of the Owl Explains team and I am hosting today's podcast which is on the burning question is the UK on track to become a global hub for crypto? We are recording in London today where the sun is shining and it's actually been shining all week and it's pretty hot here for the UK Um, but it's hot here in other ways too. So the UK government declared... Last year, that it wants the UK to be a global hub for crypto and fintech. And there is a lot of work underway to figure out how to get there. There are also plans afoot for a digital pound. And it's London Tech Week. And the door to number 10 Downing Street has transformed into kind of more ones and zeros spelling out London Tech Week. Uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak gave a keynote speech a couple of days ago calling the UK an island of innovation. And it seems that Andreessen Horowitz agrees because they've announced that they're going to be opening an office in the UK in the very near future. So there is a lot going on, and it feels like a great moment to be asking the question, is the UK on track to become a global hub for crypto? And I'm delighted to welcome Lisa Cameron, MP, who is going to help us answer that question. So Lisa is... Uh, the Member of Parliament for East Kilbride. She is also chair of the all party parliamentary group on crypto and digital assets. So she is literally at the heart of the policy and regulatory discussions on crypto in the UK. And I can't think of anyone better to help us answer this question. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. I know how incredibly busy you've been of late. Um, So you've published a report through the All-Party Parliamentary Group on Crypto, which you chair. And it is all about how to realize the UK's um, ambitions in this area. So the report contains over 50 recommendations and is the first parliamentary report of its kind in the UK. And in the lead up to the report, you ran an inquiry for 10 months, receiving input from all kinds of different people. So I'm really interested in the final report but also in the process of the inquiry to get there. So, um, but before we get into all of that, I want to just take you right back to the very beginning. How did your interest in this area begin? What motivated you to get involved in the debate on grid? Yes,
1: I mean, I joined Parliament uh, in 2015 as the first uh, clinical psychologist to be elected. So I don't have a background in financial services. Uh, In fact, I think my constituents believed that Westminster needed a psychologist at that point. So that's how I arrived. Uh, Most of my work in Parliament has been to date uh, on disability and health issues. So uh, this was very new to me, uh, like it has been to so many people across the UK, uh, and I stumbled across it uh, when a constituent contacted me. Unfortunately, they had befallen what I now know is, is labelled a rug-pulling scam, where they had invested money and uh, the, the it people they'd invested to and um, the way they'd done it it, the money had disappeared and they they couldn't find any redress in the current system so they contacted me and asked me Lisa can you um, put me in touch with the person in parliament who's leading up in this work uh, so that I can discuss my experience with them and I said well of course I'll do this I then began to have a look through the all-party parliamentary groups, which there are many, uh, and I couldn't find anything on cryptocurrency at that point in time. So I asked my researcher, uh, can you find out if this is a kind of one-off thing and that's why you know there isn't so much interest in developing this area of work in the parliament? She came back and said to me, well, you're right, there's no all-party group. At the present time on cryptocurrency, there have been no debates in the House of Commons at this time. But what I can say is it's not a unique situation to your constituent because, uh, firstly, you know, this is reported quite widely in the press. But secondly, uh, at that point in time, we believe there were, you know, well over three million people in the UK who were engaged in the sector. So there just seemed to be this uh, complete dichotomy between uh, where the public were at in terms of their engagement and where the parliament was sitting at that point in time. So that's uh, how the group and when the group was founded. Uh, It was just shortly after my involvement. uh, I was fortunate to meet with Crypto UK, who agreed to provide the Secretariat, which is extremely important that it's um, a trade body or a professional body rather than an individual company. Uh, so we were very careful to, to make sure that um, we had uh, specialist secretariat uh, input in that sense uh, and that it was going to represent uh, the, the sector as a whole rather than any particular um. Uh, individual or company's interest so I began my journey of learning at that point (laughs) and uh, I have to say my goodness it's been transformational uh, over the past 18 months Uh, I feel I started from a position of um, obviously concern and skepticism and I still have You know consumer protection as you know at the core of everything we're doing including the the inquiry report that was published um but i also see great potential for the industry and as you say the report is also very much about how to support government uh, to achieve the vision that the uk will become a global hub of cryptocurrency and fintech development and innovation
0: great thank you so much Um... So now um, let's talk about your inquiry um, that led to the report published last week. So you launched the inquiry in August 2022, so last year. And over the course of 10 months, you've spoken to or had written input from all kinds of different stakeholders. So operators, regulators, industry experts, the general public, Uh, the City of London, the Law Commission. So this gives you a pretty unique kind of bird's eye view of the debate on crypto in the UK. Can you tell us a bit more about the inquiry process and, and what you learned through it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. As you say, we've had so much engagement from right across the sector. So I have to thank everybody who's been involved because without their input, We wouldn't have got to, you know, the the publication date and and to be able to produce a report that we feel is very thorough. Uh, We've felt that we needed a real cross section of input of Different um, perspectives. So, um, from those who were engaged in industry, from those who, um, were creating a legal framework, um, you know, in the law commission, from those who, uh, were regulators and having to adapt to the new digital, uh, revolution in a sense, uh, that's before us, and, uh, also of course very importantly members of the general public. So we asked for written submissions and we were inundated really uh, by those who wanted to engage and we were able to collate uh, all of that information over a lengthy period of around about five to six months. And then uh, towards uh, the latter part uh, of last year, we had evidence sessions where we tried to pull out themes such as um, central bank digital currency, uh, where we were looking at um, what was happening in other jurisdictions, particularly with Mika in the EU, uh, where we were having a think about um, the challenges that face companies who want to come here and, you know, take part in this innovation island, as the Prime Minister has said, and to start up and scale up. And we heard about, you know, many of those challenges, including, you know, registration, licensing, the FCA process, and even just, you know, basic things like how difficult it is to start up a bank account uh, and pay your staff uh so you know there there are many things that that have to be tackled and the report uh was one way of uh pulling all of these threads together to look at uh the challenges that we need to overcome to create this cryptocurrency and digital innovation hub and at the same time uh, to make sure that uh, we were highlighting the, the potential in the areas we feel government should be focused on for the future. I am particularly keen on jobs and careers of the future for our young people right across the UK.
0: Yeah, so, so I clearly through this process, you know, you've gathered an awful lot of uh, wisdom in this space. And uh, so I'm going to invite you now to be an honorary owl Um, uh, And I'm going to invite you to now perch with me on the Owl Explains Tree of Web3 Wisdom. Now, what on earth is that? I hear you ask. Well, um, the Tree of Web3 Wisdom is a tree. It has five branches, which are essentially five principles to guide regulatory thinking on crypto, blockchain and Web3. And as our honorary owl guest today, I want you to perch with me on each of these branches and give us your bird's eye view of the current state of play in the UK. So are you ready? Let's let's perch. Uh, so branch number one is understand the technology and its uses. So what we're trying to say from this branch is that policymakers need to understand the paradigm shift of blockchain and crypto and their breadth of application before rushing in to regulate. So. Um, there's so much noise and focus on crypto, and there are, you know, as you've alluded to, there are very good reasons for that. Um, but it also drowns out the bigger conversation about blockchain as a new and better architecture for the Internet. So um, how well do you think the UK policymaking community understand sort of the nuances and the differences between sort of crypto and blockchain and the many applications of the technology?
1: Well, what I would say is not well enough, uh, but we've certainly come a long way in the past 18 months. Uh, So we started off uh, from, you know, the point where we were really focused uh, in the first uh, part of setting up the APPG, the first six to 12 months of educating ourselves in the parliament. And we came from quite a low baseline. So, you may have heard me say before, but we did have discussions in the Parliament where um, people were uh, experts came in and spoke to us about um, finance, decentralisation and fiat. And individuals were saying, why are we speaking about cars? Are we not speaking about finance? Uh, so we brought ourselves from, you know, trying to learn the terminology of the sector, which actually is quite vast in terms of, uh, you know, CBDC and then the different concepts. And um, But in terms of the blockchain, uh, we've come, as I said, from a position of having no debates to now having a number of debates in the parliament. Um, We've also come in the past 12 to 18 months to having statements from the minister on uh, these issues, including uh, the consultations, um, particularly for the CBDC. um, And, you know, a lot of movement now very positive, I think, signalling from government You could tell from the questions that I received uh, in my debate this week that there are MPs who are interested and who understand what's happening. Uh, But yes, we have to do so much more to reach out to members of Parliament um, because I think this technology is is really transformational and is going to change the way we live our lives in so many ways not just in terms of finance it has implications for health um has implications uh for uk aid spending potentially um in terms of uh you know transparency and making sure that that finance gets to the most vulnerable which is of course you know what our taxpayers want to see um has you know a real um input into uh, arts and culture you know ip all, all of these types of issues and in terms of smart contracts as well so whilst we don't perhaps have to understand the ins and outs of the technology itself i don't particularly understand you know how the workings of my mobile phone come together I think the most important thing is that we understand the utility and we realize very quickly, and that's why my next debate, and I can preempt that, I applied for it today. Um, And hope to have it in the very near future is going to be about digital innovation and careers of the future, because we have to make sure that we are skilling our young people and reskilling those who perhaps are in industries which are going to change to make sure that we can be this innovation island that the prime minister speaks of, and that we have the necessary skills and understanding to move forward.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's so fascinating to hear you you know, talking about use cases in health and aid spending and IP and everything. I mean, it's it's so interesting hosting this podcast um, because we uh, we get to talk to entrepreneurs who are building on blockchain, uh, many of whom have projects that have got nothing to do with crypto trading or financial instruments. Um, so we've spoken to, um, we've spoken to uh, Maria Bustios. She's a journalist building an uh, independent news channel on Web3 where readers can pay reporters directly um, for truly independent news. We've spoken to a company called Lemonade, providing crop insurance um, in developing countries. Uh, we've spoken to a team um, at Deloitte who are working on making disaster relief faster and more efficient. So some of these projects don't even have a token that's visible to the end user at all. It just operates in the background as part of the kind of bigger tech solution underpinning the project. So, you know, I'm kind of I'm 100 percent with you that we don't need everyone to understand the intricacies of how the tech really works, but to understand instead the kind of utility and um, all the various things that it can be used for um, is is important, I think.
1: Yeah. And just to add there, um, we had this really amazing meeting in the parliament, which sticks in my mind, uh, on the Web 3, which was with the children's parliament. And we had the MPs, the members of the House of Lords, and the children in the room. Uh, and uh, we had Roblox and many other companies who are, who are in this sector. And they were asking who in here understands Web3. And, of course, most of the children put their hands up, not so wow. many MPs, not so many members of the House of Lords. And that's when I realised we have this digital generation ahead of us uh, who is just this is just so natural to them you know, and uh, we're playing catch up, really. But they were so clever. And they said to us, um, I I was just really amazed uh, how uh, understanding they were of the limitations as well, because they said, but, you know, you have to make this safe for us because this could be amazing for our studies. We could use Web3. We could use the metaverse to go back in time and history and feel the experiences to geographical sites etc they spoke about all of this but they said it's not healthy for our mental health to be in a virtual world all day so we want to have the guardrails basically that make us safe Uh, and i just thought that was really insightful from people so young as to the limitations as well as the great potential
0: yeah i mean that's that's really remarkable isn't it um Right. So I think we need to move on to branch number two now. So branch number two is um, beware of misconceptions. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know that our youngsters are really on top of this. <laughs> but um, what about some of the misconceptions that you've come across, I imagine, from you know the, the, the elder people that you've been uh, talking to?
1: Yeah. So, so many people um, will say when we started this journey, they were saying, well, um, I think this is a bit of a Wild West, so I don't think, you know, we should be bothering with this in the UK or in the Parliament. And then we had to kind of explain, well, this is happening already. There are millions of people engaged. So, you know, like my constituent, if we don't have regulation in place, then... These people will not be supported in in what they're doing, and this is becoming more and more mainstream. So you know, just a year ago, um, the figures that I, I was given were you know sort of three to four million people involved. Now it's sort of reaching five, uh, so it, it's growing. And so we had to have those types of discussions. A sort of misperception that it was on the fringes, and it was we didn't we didn't need to bother with it. Um, I think there's also a misperception, uh, you know, geopolitically that in that sense, in that, you know, China and other jurisdictions are really very far ahead technologically. um, And we, you know, geopolitically need to think about those things too, particularly when it comes to central bank digital currency. Uh, misperceptions about uh, the blockchain and the, you know, that this is a great place if you want to um, evade sanctions, etc., to be involved in the sector. And I'm sure you know we did take evidence that this happens. But uh, some of the literature we were given from those experts who who track this said that financial, you know, traditional financial services also have these issues. And this sector doesn't generally have it to more degree, but the the important thing is that the blockchain technology means that uh, transactions can are traceable, and uh, therefore uh, being able to harness that capacity means that it that it's not. Um, for the long term, going to be, the, you know, the place with the appropriate regulatory structures uh, for those who wish uh, to be non-compliant, I suppose, in terms of uh, finances. So I think there's quite a lot of misperceptions. Um I had misperceptions at the start, too, because I thought it was all about finance. And then when I had the opportunity to speak to lawmakers from uh, Switzerland, they were telling me, Lisa, you have to think about it much more broadly. We're thinking about it here in terms of research, uh, education or universities in terms of employment, careers and jobs, skills that are needed uh, for the future. Uh, they're thinking, obviously, in terms of uh, interoperability with other jurisdictions, um, you know, and also uh, looking at those other use cases that we discussed in term that I'm very interested in. I actually have the foreign Commonwealth and Development Office in my constituency so I'm very interested in international aid so those types of issues that hadn't really come to my mind at first because I thought I was dealing with something that was solely financial but you know with um the NFTs and everything developing this is not just an industrial revolution in terms of industry it's actually cultural as well um and I think it could you know, have a significant impact akin to, uh, you know, the web being developed.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, that that leads us really nicely on to the next couple of branches, which are, I'm going to take them together, branches three and four. So um, branch number three is classify tokens sensibly, which really kind of relates to this idea that actually... Um, blockchain and crypto it really isn't all about finance and financial instruments tokens can be absolutely anything i mean you mentioned nfts but you know that's just one example a a token can is just a digital representation of literally anything um uh, and then branch number four is regulate according to context and use rather than the technology which is a sort of related point um so uh, and, and clearly, you know, there's this debate raging in the US, particularly at the moment with this slew of enforcement actions coming out of the SEC. Um, <clears throat> uh, there's a jurisdictional tussle between the SEC that handles securities or financial instruments and the CFTC that handles commodities. And now you have Congress stepping in and starting to work on a bill that could provide some clarity. Um, but there is this misconception that blockchain crypto is all about finance and financial instruments and unless it's cleared up then it risks leading to a not very sensible regulatory definition and treatment of tokens and essentially the kind of stifling of innovation with overly onerous regulation. So where do you think the UK policy making community is on this? Do you think uh, are they veering towards thinking everything is financial and needs financial regulation or are they looking at each token for what it truly is and what its role is within a particular use case and then kind of regulating accordingly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, well, we did have the Treasury report that came out, which suggested gambling, you know, regulatory regime, and the government, you know, and the minister was very clear the other day in our report, supports his position that that's that's not um, the position of government or that the UK is going to take, that we're looking at financial services regulation in the main. Um, and, you know, there are good reasons for that. So in terms of um, being able to generate taxation, uh, that wouldn't happen under a gambling framework. Um, in in order to have the most robust uh, and, um, you know, uh, experienced... Uh, individuals who are able to regulate and, and the robust sort of consumer protection element that happens more so under the financial services framework than, than the gambling one um and again um in terms of the uk's position because this is global it's not you know we, we're all looking at it from our, our own countries but it, but this is about interoperability as well and it's global and it's, it's being discussed. At, you know, with by government heads across the world as well. Um, so we have to think about you know making sure that the UK framework is not an outlier compared with the rest of, of the world. And with Mika coming on board, I think um we do have this framework that needs to be progressed within twelve to eighteen months, as I said in the report, in order to position the UK um as a leader in the sector. Uh, within a timely uh, manner. So. I think in the main, we are looking at financial services regulations, but I think there's going to have to be a nimble approach to looking at the utility of uh, the tokens and and what the use cases are and what it is we're actually dealing with and quite a pragmatic uh, way of looking at that. And and I do believe that government are, um, you know, trying to have that oversight and overview in in terms of classifications, etc., because we need something that's workable in order to um, attract uh, those companies that you're speaking about and those investors and, and to generate that innovation because we don't want to stifle that innovation here at all. We do want uh, to... This is a real opportunity. You know, I um, didn't vote for Brexit. I just say that up front, um, but... We, ha- we are where we are, and, you know, it does give the UK the opportunity to create its own bespoke regulatory framework and to position itself uh, at the helm of, uh, you know, developments, and, and with uh, the turmoil to some degree in the US that you've described uh, in terms of positions being taken, and uh, with um, Mika coming on board and, you know, congratulating them for all the work they've done on that, I think being a second mover can have advantages too in terms of competitiveness.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so I, you're, you're, so <clears throat> our final branch is think global. So I mean we've touched on this this already. Um, uh, the the UK is already uh, quite a leader in the world in terms of tech more broadly and fintech. Um, what what is it do you think drives that?
1: Well, I mean there's so much expertise here um, already. Uh, and you know, we have fantastic academic um universities, the, the top universities in the world, you know, across the world. So people want to be here um and they want to be setting up business here and they want to be drawing on all of that expertise. Um, but we also have a framework already that I think um is seen as being robust um and yet competitive and you know, one which enables innovation. And I think that's, you know, where we want to be for the future um, too uh, in in terms of, uh, you know, incorporating this uh, digital transformation that's coming downstream. Uh, So I think we're, we're, in a good position just now but in order to maintain that and make sure that we enhance it we do need to address some of the issues I mentioned like um, you know practical issues like opening bank accounts um, streamlining the FCA process because today only 42 companies have been able to set up we can't be you know a global innovation hub if we only have 42 companies so we have to address these issues and and the debate this week was a way of highlighting that to the minister again, and I b- believe he, you know, has taken those issues on board, which were raised by a number of MPs, not just myself, um, but globally as well. Young people, the young people who came to speak to us, they live in a global world. The world is opened up for them more so than it ever was for me when I was young, because, uh, you know, it was about could I travel somewhere. They they are speaking to people right across the world you know, through technology, through digital technology every day, they're seeing things that that I would never have seen. Um, And they live in an international um, community. And so the UK needs to have collaborations, partnerships. And I think that's why if we can move ahead in a competitive position, the interoperability aspect is going to be vital. But given the leadership, position that already exists here we could be well placed uh, to be at the helm of this um, amazing transformation in digital technology that's happening
0: yeah but but as your report indicates with its 50 plus recommendations there is quite a lot that needs to happen in order for that to be the case so we don't have time to go through all 50 recommendations Mm -hmm. but can you give us the headlines the sort of top three to five things that you think government needs to act on as a matter of urgency, in order to secure the UK's position as a global hub in crypto and fintech?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We want to see a cross governmental approach. Um, so that could be led by a crypto czar, or, you know, the, the minister said he, uh, he was wanting to, to sort of lead that up, but it has to involve the different sections of government that we spoke about you know education business foreign and commonwealth and international development um it has to um be about skills and jobs as well as about finance um so there, there's so much um work that needs to be done on health and all of the other avenues so i'd really feel government has to have this cross departmental reach um We did uh, also speak about just the importance of having this regulatory framework within the next 12 to 18 months, because with Mika coming on board, we already saw a report from uh, PitchBook, I think it was, uh, not so long ago, which suggested that when regulatory clarity happens, Uh, That investment moves uh, in that direction. So we've already seen some business move from the UK the US um, to uh, the EU um, and what we need to do is harness our potential to keep business here and generate new business here. So uh, really feeling that the timescale is very important. Um, Moving on the central bank digital currency I think is also going to be um, very key uh, in terms of positioning Uh, of the UK and I'm very very keen as I said on the interoperability aspect and something that I've started to think about as well given um, other jurisdictions are working you know right across the world with some of the CBDC um, developments is could we harness and engage the Commonwealth uh, you know in terms of the work we're doing with the CBDC to give them perhaps an alternative to other um, you know finances that might be available such as uh from china etc so i think there's just so much to be done (laughs) it can't be done just by one person either the minister or myself so our role really then is is to harness the potential of the parliament and get so many people involved across party that no matter who's in government, uh, you know, after the next general election and if there are or no changes um, either way, that this work continues at pace um, and the UK can realise its vision.
0: Well, Dr. Lisa Cameron, thank you so much for your time today and for all the great work you're doing. Um, It's immensely exciting. It really is just thinking about all of the possibilities um, that you've mentioned. Um, I'm going to let you get back to your important work now, and I hope you also get to enjoy some of the sunshine. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to all the Wise Owls for listening. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed our Hootenanny. Thank you for listening. For more hootful and hype-free resources, visit OwlExplains.com. There, you will find articles, quizzes, practical explainers, suggested reading materials, and lots more. Also, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to continue wising up on blockchain and Web3. That's all for now on Owl Explains. Until next time.